Welcome to the Inaspire Global Podcast, where we deal with all things HR-related for hospitality industry leaders of today and tomorrow. Whether you're a student in the field or a seasoned industry professional, we've got fascinating content and business solutions just for you. And now, your host, Dr. Ryan Giffen. Welcome to the HR and Hospitality Podcast. Whether you're a hospitality executive or a student studying this fascinating industry, I'm thrilled to have you join us. Today, we're gonna discuss California 2020 employment law predictions. What is California Governor Newsom thinking? Now, here's the deal, folks. When I originally put this podcast together in this program, I didn't realize the governor would actually start signing bills into legislation the week that I was recording it. So as of the time of this recording on Saturday, September 21st, some of these bills may have already been signed into law. So keep that in mind and stay posted as we go throughout the next coming weeks and and what the governor is going to do. So with that, in California, the legislature uh, introduced 2,000 576 legislative employment bills in this last year in 2019. So currently those bills, um, several of those bills are sitting on the governor's desk waiting for signature and his review. And he has until October 13th. So uh, just a little under four weeks here to either sign or veto those bills. So as we go uh, throughout the uh, coming weeks, we're going to keep our eyes on that. Now, sweeping legislation, folks, has gone uh, approved this past week, and it's known as AB5, Assembly Bill 5, uh, known as Dynamex. We call this the ABC test in human resources, and it has to relate to contractor status and the appropriate classifications uh, in which we classify employees, You know, whether we classify them as a salary hourly or contractor, this bill, which has been signed into law effective January 1st of 2020, is going to impact several industries, particularly the gig economy, the gig economy, your Ubers and Lyfts of the world. So here's what AB5 tells us. AB5 basically says that you have to pass a three-prong test where a worker is either going to be considered an employee so a W-2 employee, or a contractor, a 1099 contractor. So the ABC test, you have to pass all three tests. So for example, test A, the worker is free from the control and direction of the hirer in connection with the performance of the work, both under the contract for the performance of such work. So they have to be completely free from control and direction. In other words, the employer cannot control them at any time or direct them. Example, you cannot tell them that they have to go on a meal break or they have to report to the company at a certain time. They have to use your equipment. There are a lot of areas there in which most, if not majority of contractors would fail. So that's the first one, the first test. The second test is B, the worker performs work that is outside the usual course of the hiring entity's business. So whatever the contractor is providing you, 
it is outside the usual course of your business. And I think this is where the gig economy is going to struggle to prove this part of the test, such as Uber and Lyft. That's going to be um, a challenge. And then C, the worker is customarily engaged in an independently established trade, occupation, or business of the same nature as the work performed for the hiring entity. So it's critical here that to pass this test, and this is where, again, I, I believe a, a majority of contractors are going to fail, that this worker is in their own trade. So for example, you can take myself as a human resources consultant who would not go and work for a hotel full-time as their HR director and have to report there 40 hours a week between the hours of eight and five and customarily engaged in the hotel business as an HR professional, that would not work. I would have to be a W-2 or an employee. So with that, there are exemptions to this that fall under the Barillo test. There's not enough time to describe or discuss what the Barillo test is in this podcast. But in some, it basically says that, you know, that the employee essentially or the contractor must work directly for the business and not for the customer. So that is the big test there that if you want to hire me as a contractor, I must work directly with you, the business, not on behalf of the customer. So again, this is where Uber works on behalf of the customer and that is where they might run into issues. Uh, personally, I do not envy the in-house counsel for Uber or Lyft, who is going to obviously challenge AB5 uh, in the coming months. So there are several other exemptions that fall under the Barilla test, but again, um, keep that in mind as, as we follow this legislation. How does this impact you, the, the hotelier or the restaurateur or uh, hospitality industry? I don't predict that it's going to impact you that much unless you contract out specific tasks, such as maybe your marketing department, or maybe you have someone who is managing your website. How do you pay them? Are you paying them as a contractor, as a 1099? And are you able to pass the three-pronged ABC test? That is um, one area. Same with sales, uh, sales managers, um, some smaller properties may contract out that service. So again, are they working directly with your customer? Because if they are, you've already failed the ABC test and you must pay them as an employee. So we'll keep that uh, open here as, as January rolls around and this gets put into effect uh, with the legislature here in California. We'll keep our eyes and of course, as we often see, in California, the state usually sets precedence for the rest of the country. So don't be surprised if the federal government and Congress start looking at AB5 as a foundation to future legislation. All right, so enough of the ABC test. Let's look at AB170. This has not, as of today, been signed by the governor. AB170 says that this will make the employer automatically jointly liable for the acts of a contracted supervisor regarding harassment, whether sexual harassment or other types of harassment, such as bullying. In other words, this is joint liability. The employer and the offender could be jointly liable in that lawsuit, should a lawsuit be triggered. Again, this applies to all harassment, not just sexual harassment, and it doesn't matter 
If you, the employer, have direction, control, or knowledge of the harassment, you will still be liable or potentially jointly liable. The idea here is vet your contractors because your contractors should they, including vendors, you know, maybe it's your Pepsi, uh, your Pepsi vendor or um, a, a, a food wholesaler who's coming in to deliver food to your restaurant. If this individual harasses anyone, whether it's one of your guests or employees, they and you will be liable. So keep your eyes on that. Most importantly, make sure you're doing your harassment training, which we'll talk about here in a bit in a minute. Another bill that is hot on the governor's desks is SB 142. And this has to deal with lactation in the workplace. And this is based on the San Francisco ordinance um, that is directly adopted from the city of San Francisco and has now been adopted statewide, which is no surprise. After all, the California governor is the former mayor of San Francisco. So with that, the SB 142 lactation in the workplace expands the law quite greatly compared to um, the current law that we have in place for lactation. So what this tells us is that lactation, uh, that a lactation room must have several things. First, the lactation room has to be clean and free of toxic materials and chemicals. Two, it must contain a surface to place a breast pump. Three, there must be a place to sit. And four, they must have access to electricity within this lactation room. All four of those must now be present uh, should this be signed by the governor. Two, there must be a sink with running water and a refrigerator must be in close proximity within uh, that lactation room. Third, a denial of lactation breaks is subject to labor code 226.7, which a lot of us know that has to deal with meal and rest period. So if you do not, if you deny, if you deny lactation breaks to your employee, this falls under the meal and rest penalty, which is of course a one hour of straight time wages for denial. Additionally, the employer must develop and implement a lactation accommodation policy. So this is where I'm encouraging you, the hospitality professional and your human resources and counsel to develop a policy uh, ahead of schedule before January to ensure that you have a lactation policy that outlines all of this. And um, it, doesn't it does not matter the size of employer. This applies to every employer throughout the state regardless of size. So that bill, SB 142, very likely to become signed by the governor. I predict this only because um, it's the right thing to do, but also our governor being from San Francisco and have adopted this legislation straight out of San Francisco makes perfect sense in why he might sign it. Okay, so here are a few other bills that I would like to talk about um, that the governor may or may not sign, meaning uh, based off of the legislature and what they did may um, or may not happen. But um, likely, of course, California being as liberal as the state is and very employee friendly are likely to possibly get signed. The first one is AB9. This extends the statute of limitations for filing claims with the DFEH, the Department of Fair Employment Housing. 
And this is for all claims, not just sexual harassment. And this extends the statute of limitations for filing a claim, whether discrimination or sexual harassment, from one year to three years. This is all part of the hashtag MeToo movement. And this is very similar to the legislation that was vetoed by Governor Jerry Brown, known as AB 1870. So that similar legislation was actually vetoed by Governor Brown, uh, I believe it was last year in 2018, and it was vetoed and now it's being reproposed by the legislature. Now, knowing uh, the current governor, it's likely that he too will veto this as Governor Brown has set that precedence, which personally I believe for all employers and employees for that matter is a fairly decent uh, legislation because this is what we call in HR the recency error. The recency error tells us we only remember what happened recently. And if we're going to allow lawsuits in this state to be lodged two years, 364 days later, and we're thinking that we actually recount what happened on a specific day, you're joking. You're kidding yourself. I mean, heck, I don't remember what I had for lunch last Friday. Uh, a week ago. So I don't know what would have happened back on September 20th of 2017, uh, let alone. So we'll see what happens there, likely to be vetoed. AB 1066 is our next one. This allows striking workers, workers who go on strike, to collect unemployment insurance benefits for uh, after three weeks. Um, and they would fall under that UI fund uh, situation. Now, this applies to our hoteliers who um, have collective bargaining agreements, particularly in major cities like Los Angeles, San Francisco, and even in Long Beach, several mega hotels in the Long Beach area are union, and therefore this would apply to them should it become law. It's predicted that it will not become law because um, doing so would overturn 70 years of legal precedence that striking employees are not eligible for unemployment benefits. Um, and this, of course, would impact um, fiscal solvency of the unemployment fund, especially if this state faces another recession. There is no way that that fund would be healthy and potentially bankrupt the UI fund. So again, likely to be vetoed. Okay, with that, um, we'll keep our eyes on that. Let's talk about some bills, though, really quickly that were passed in 2019 that are already in effect um, or going to be in effect here in January. Immediately, what's already been into effect is SB 188. This deals with race discrimination based on hairstyles. Now, this is immediately in effect, and this amends the Fair Employment Housing Act to redefine race in our state. And this includes, quote, traits historically associated with race, such as hair texture and protective hairstyles, end quote. So the FEHA has defined race to include traits that deal with texture and hair, uh, uh, texture and protective hairstyles. This comes directly out of legislation that is similar to New York State, who passed similar legislation not too long ago. That includes braids, locks, and twists. This legislation was birthed because uh, African Americans have been disenfranchised, or as we say in the legal parameters, 
disparate or adverse impact as African Americans have suffered as a result of discrimination, as a result of hair type, such as the texture and um, braids. So there is a, a, a video, and I apologize, it's, it's just hitting me now, so I don't have the resource or the name, but you can very well YouTube this video, and it is of a high school wrestler. I believe it's high school, maybe it's college, but a high school wrestler who was told by the judges that he had to, in front of everybody, cut his braids in order to wrestle in this championship wrestling match. And sure enough, he 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 did it. He cut his hair. They gave him scissors, and he cut his hair in front of thousands of people in the audience and went on to win the wrestling match and won that victory and walked right out soon thereafter. And it is a very tall telling sign of how particularly African-Americans have had such disparate impact in our country and including in our state that it is hopefully SB 188 that is going to um, change that for the better for for the state and, and hope that that kind of behavior does not ever, ever, ever have to happen again. So with that, this affects uh, our hoteliers and restaurateurs, our nightlife folks and retail by making sure your grooming policy is up to date. So get that handbook updated. It is law as of this year in 2019 immediately. Last but not least, SB 1343, Sexual Harassment Prevention Training. Now, this is great news uh, in the sense that uh, back in August, the law was amended to allow an extension to train all employees into 2021. First, it was um, the requirement was to be met by January 1st of 2020, but that's been extended by a year. So what this says is that smaller employers are now covered. So if you have five or more employees, you are now required to provide sexual harassment prevention training to all of your employees, should you have five or more. By January 1st, 2021, again, that was amended just recently to allow an extension for employers to meet that requirement. And so uh, you have until January 1st, 2021 to provide such training of at least one hour to your non-supervisory employees in California within six months of their assumed position and thereafter once every two years. Now, we've always had AB 1825 here in the state, and by always, I say in the last several years, it's nothing new for over, goodness, five years, probably more than that, uh, where all supervisors have to be trained for two hours of harassment training in the state. And of course, within six months of their assumed position and two years thereafter. But guess what? This law, SB 1343, also has made it even more strict to where you have to train if you have more than five employees in your organization. Now supervisors fall under that. This is a big change, folks, because it used to be 50 or more employees so if you are a restaurant or a nightlife venue or retail, if you have five or more employees, you must now provide two hours of sexual harassment training to your supervisors and one hour of harassment training to all other employees throughout your organization. 
So with that, I wanted to keep this podcast short because again, we're watching the bills as they come in hot. And um, quite frankly, this podcast was actually not supposed to be published until October, but I wanted to get it out as soon as possible. So then in October, we can actually see what the governor signed after um, he does so up until October 13th. We will know by October 13th, uh, which is a Sunday, what the governor has signed into legislation. And we will be able to update the podcast to inform you is in terms of what laws will then go into effect either immediately or January 1st of 2020. So I want to thank you for listening to this first podcast, this last minute podcast uh, that we wanted to get out there hot off the press. And of course, we always like to hear from you. So please send us an email at info at inospire.com, or be sure to subscribe. Tell your friends. Also, students, faculty, and seasoned professionals, this podcast is for you, and get the word out there. Thanks, and have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to the Inaspire Global Podcast, and we hope you picked up some valuable info that will enable you to implement solutions within your place in the industry. Also, we'd love to hear from you. If you have an idea of something that you'd like discussed or to be a part of the show, email us at info at Thanks again for listening and see you next time.